Galatians chapter 5. If you got that, let's stand for prayer. Good to see you on this Sunday night. Galatians 5 and verse 13. We're going to start at the point that I really want to emphasize, but we'll kind of give some context to it as we move along. This was a troubled church, or not, it wasn't even, it was several churches in Galatia, but they were troubled. They had been, they had been infiltrated with some false doctrine, and that happens in churches. It's easy for that to happen. It's happening today in people, places. Uh, that's why Paul told Timothy, I left you in Ephesus, that, that, you, they, that you, they don't allow them to teach any other doctrine. Keep them straight on their doctrine. And um, so the Galatian churches were experiencing some problems, some trouble, very confusing. And we're going to talk about what they were confused about. But in verse 13 of Galatians 5, it says, For brethren, we have been called unto liberty. Now that's not patriotic liberty. I'm glad that we have liberty as a nation, liberty, to freedom to worship as we please, uh, Free elections, I'm glad for liberty, but that's, that's not, this is talking about the liberty we have in Christ. We've been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this. When it means it says one word, it doesn't mean one actual syllable word. It means talking about in this word from God, in this, in this commandment, this word, all the law is fulfilled in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about discipleship tonight. And let's pray as we get started. Lord, we thank you for this another occasion to gather together to sing praises to you. Lord, what a miracle it is that we would be in this place on a Sunday night learning new ancient songs, Lord, written by beloved hymn writer and, and just cherishing the truth of the message. It's all the grace of God. We thank you for it. Lord, we, we don't stand here, sit here today thinking that we're really something because we're here. We're here because you're really something. And we praise you for that tonight and pray you'd bless as we study your word tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Maybe seated. So, if you're familiar with this book of Galatians, you'll know that a part of Paul's purpose, a major part of Paul's purpose in writing this epistle, was to help um, correct this error, to correct the direction of of this these churches in Galatia. Look in Galatians chapter one and verse six and. For time's sake, I'm just going to mention some passages that sort of tell the story. But in Galatians 1, 6, look at this stern language that Paul sends forth to them. I marvel that you're so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. He said, it amazes me. I'm marveling that you're so soon removed. Removed. By the way, it doesn't take long for people to start moving in the wrong direction. It doesn't take long for people to start accepting teaching that's not sound doctrine. And that was happening here in these churches. 
And what they were being corrupted about was not just some minor issue. We're talking about this was another gospel. That's what, it's, that's what he's called it in verse 6. You've been, you've been removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ and to another gospel. Verse 7, which is not another, and this is a technical matter, but those two words, another in verse 6 and another in verse 7, are translated from different Greek words. And one of them means another but the same. The other one means another that is completely different. And so he says, which is not another of the same. This is not another message that's like the first message. It, but there are some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. And then a very strong statement in verse 8. But though we or, any angel, or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which you preach, let him be accursed. Isn't that strong language? Let him have a curse on him. If he, if, he, if he tampers with the gospel, if he changes the message. And so they'd been defiled or they were being defiled in their doctrine. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16, a strong statement about salvation and the fact that it can't be in any measure by works. Galatians 2.16, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law. No man can ever be justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. And he repeats this basic sentiment, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Now, if, you, if all you knew about the book of Galatians is what we've read, you'd be wondering, well, what kind of things were they teaching? Well, they were teaching that there would, there would be some kind of a wedding, some kind of a merger of grace through, salvation by grace through faith accompanied by the works of the law. In other words, salvation plus circumcision. They were teaching, these were Judaizers, they were people who were grounded in the Jewish religion, and they were telling these new converts, yes, we believe in Jesus, but you know, you still need to be circumcised, and that's not true. In, that's a work of the law. Whether it's, if you, tell a person, if you tell a person you have to have anything other than Jesus to be saved, you're giving them a false gospel. That's a false gospel. And I know that we live in a day of such, you know, tolerance that, that people have the idea, well, everybody, you know, we're all, we all have the same motive. We're all going in the same direction. You know, it's just a minor thing. No, it's not a minor thing. It's either the gospel of Jesus Christ or it is a false gospel. And so, so what Paul wanted them to embrace, and I'm getting to the message now, was the freedom that's found in Jesus Christ. Not, the, not this legalism, which means you have, to, you have to abide by certain parts of the law and have Jesus in order to be saved. <clears throat> so he challenged them. Don't get, don't get tangled up in this. Matter of fact, look in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Don't get tangled up in this false doctrine, this false teaching. Galatians 5, 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty 
wherewith Christ has made us free, Galatians 5.1, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. And that bondage there is not talking about the bondage of wanting to do right or serving. It's talking about the bondage of putting legalism or the law along with grace for salvation. If it's, if it's grace, it's only grace. Grace is a gift. And, you know, when you... If, if you're fortunate enough to get a Christmas present, and I know many of you do not deserve it, but if you do, if you're fortunate enough and someone uh, gives you a Christmas present and, then, and, and before you open it, they say, now that'll be 50 bucks. <laughs> That's not exactly a gift, right? <laughs> That's not a gift. If, you're, if you can make it work, God bless you, but it, it wouldn't fly at, my, at our house. <laughs> um, if it's a gift, it's a gift. If it's a gift, you don't have to earn it. And so he says to them in that context, Galatians 5.13, For brethren, we have been called unto liberty. We have been called unto liberty. We're not under the bondage of the law for our salvation. Now I'm going to say this, I'm going to get back to this, but that does not mean all the law is bad. That does not mean we throw out all the law. Now, there are certain parts of what we, I would terminology, the terminology I would use is the ceremonial law. That we're, un, we're not under that at all. In other words, the feasts, the different feasts, the, all those kind of things, we're not under that. We don't have to sleep in a, in a, in a booth. <laughs> Aren't you glad about that? We don't have to go camping every year. We're not under all those laws. Right? We can eat catfish if we want to. That's a good time for an amen right there. My wife and I were driving through Marble Falls, Arkansas, just minding our own business the other day. Took the short route home through the woods. And we go by this place on the left that says, Best Catfish in Arkansas. I couldn't help it. My car just pulled right in there. We're not under the law when it comes to what foods we eat. That'd be a good time to say amen right there. We've been called unto liberty. The law, the, the law serves as a schoolmaster, the Bible says. It shows us that we're guilty, sinners, and incapable of saving ourselves. The law points us to the Savior, to the Redeemer, to salvation, the one who can save us from our sins. So we're forgiven by God's grace. We trust him by faith. The law does not make us, we talked about this in the class this morning, um, the discovery class, the law does not make us saved and the law cannot keep us saved. If there was anything I had to do, one good thing I had to do to be saved, I could have never done it because I, I'm a sinner and I can't keep myself saved if I had to keep myself sinless to be saved. But we're saved by grace through faith. Neither baptism, nor circumcision, nor standards, nor devotion, nor sacrifice can save us or keep us saved. It's all the grace of God. It's through Jesus Christ. By grace we have been cleansed. By grace we've been accepted, we've been adopted, we've been justified, we've been redeemed, we've been reconciled all by the grace of God. Thank God for that. Amen? 
Verse 13, for brethren, you have been called unto liberty. You've not been called into bondage. You've been called unto liberty. Verse 13, let's read a little further. Only use not liberty, this liberty you have. Use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Don't take the fact that you have this liberty as a license to do what you want to do. Don't use it as an occasion to the flesh. But by love, serve one another. So what should be the byproduct? What should be the freedom? What should be the result? What should be the natural effect of us being free in Christ? What should be that natural effect? It's not just going around and doing what we please and not caring about the things of God. You know what I'm saying? That's not the result God is looking for. There's something twisted, something perverted, something wrong about that. The purpose of our liberty is not to please our flesh. The purpose of our liberty is not to pacify our own inclinations. Matter of fact, look in verse 13. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. First, our, our, our liberty, the fact that Jesus did everything for me, absolutely everything for me to be saved, ought to motivate me to love Him enough that I want to serve Him. Right? That's what he's saying. Look at look there. Look ye there. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Do you think people ever do that? You think people ever do that? They say, well, you know, we don't, we're not under the law. We don't have to do this stuff. We're free. Do you think people ever use that for occasion to the flesh? Sure they do. That's why Paul wrote this. He said, I'm telling you, you're not under the law. You're free from the law. But that does not mean, this is what he said to them, that does not mean you're free to do as you please. He would say the same thing to us. He, God does say the same thing, doesn't he? He says it through the word of God. He says, in, in, but by love serve one another. We're... And, our, and the fact that we're freedom, we're free ought to motivate us to love and to serve others. And this, then look what he said in verse 14. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, in one statement, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now for one thing, does, that sounds to me like Paul is not just erasing the law. It sounds to me like he's not disregarding the law. As a matter of fact, he just gets to telling them we're free from the legal requirements of the law to be saved. But then he says this. This is how you can, this is how you can um, fulfill all of the law. And what is that? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. That's a quote from, from Leviticus. I want to just look at it real quickly. And, uh, and read that. Leviticus chapter 19. Imagine, imagine Paul writing to Gentile converts, believers, straightening them out on the legalism that's infiltrating their ranks and quoting from the book of Leviticus. 
Leviticus 19 and verse 18. This is where it comes from. Thou shalt not avenge, neither bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Now let me ask you, do you think that that Old Testament command right there, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, do you think that Old Testament command is, is, is of no relevance to us? No, it is relevant to us. Matter of fact, Jesus quoted it more than once. Jesus said, too, there are two great, the two greatest commandments are love God with all your heart, love God supremely, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's not a disregarding of the law. God never said that we ought to do away with the law. God never said the law, nothing, nothing in the law is relevant. Jesus quoted from the law. Paul quoted from the law. And Paul said, the fact that you're free ought to cause you to fulfill what the law says, which is to love your neighbor as yourself. The liberty we have, I'm going back to Galatians 5.13, the liberty we have in Christ that we've been called to is not to be free from serving others, but it's to love God and love others enough that we are his servants and we're their servants. Now we've been talking for a few weeks on the subject of discipleship and the disciples call. The disciples call to learn um, and grow. The disciples call to follow and obey. The disciples call to deny self. We've been talking about this from Sunday nights for a while. But here we have another call for disciples, and that's the call to serve. To, to read, read what it says. For brethren, you've been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. If you're free in Christ, be a servant. For all the law is fulfilled in, in one word, even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. We've been called to serve. Every child of God has been called to serve. We don't all do the same thing. But isn't it an amazing thing that God would let us serve him? Isn't that remarkable? Think about that. Think about that. That God would let us serve him. And, and if, it, if it were possible, and it is possible, I hope it's not true, but if it were possible, you could be hearing this and say, oh, no. You know, I don't want to be loaded down with this matter of having to serve God. I'm telling you, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that God would let us serve him. Amen? I was thinking about, I was thinking about this, this, this afternoon. Go to Matthew chapter 20. I was just thinking about what a blessing it's been that God lets us serve him. When my wife and I got, I got saved, we were 21 years old. Then it sounded, that sounded like an old man to me, right? Sounds pretty young now. 21. Had one daughter, Tracy Rochelle. And God saved us. And later on, God called me to preach. And later on, things happened. But I knew right after I got saved that I had a responsibility to serve the Lord. And most of you know this, I was a house painter. I don't, by that, I mean I just had a, I worked for another guy, and we had a lot of work, but when I got saved, I knew I didn't need to be working with him, so I kind of went solo and just had a few jobs. And, and I didn't have to, we didn't have to work all the time. 
like, like people do now because we lived in a house that my family lived in for 20-something years. We didn't have a house payment. We never had a car payment. Every car we ever bought, we paid cash for. We didn't have any bills except the electric bill. And, and so I worked kind of a part-time job and worked some. But when I had days off, I'd be hanging out at the church and praying and going visiting and stuff like that. I wasn't, I wasn't called to preach. I was 21 years old. But God had saved me. And I wanted to serve the Lord. It's an amazing thing. I look back, what a joy it was to serve the Lord. And then, on a, on a night just like this, a Sunday night service, I think it was either Wednesday night or Sunday night, but I think it was Sunday night, just like this. I was sitting over on this side of the auditorium. Church was over. And Brother Joe Murray walked up to me with those steely eyes. He looked at me and said, Did you ever think about being in the bus ministry? And I said, I think I'd try it. And so that was it. We started, so, for, so we worked on a bus route for just a few weeks. And then they gave me my own bus route. I mean, I'm a rookie. I I'm, I'm just got saved. I mean, I was a, but you got to know Brother Murray. He's, 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 he puts you on a fast track. So, so then here we are, 21, 22 I've told you a story before, but we, we didn't have a bus for my bus route, but the church owned a Greyhound bus, a traveling bus. That became my bus. <laughs> Reclining seats. It was amazing. I can still see these kids. We're going down to uh, the loop around, the 635 loop around Dallas. We went way out kind of in the area where it was all minorities. And it was a rough neighborhood. And we'd take these day-old donuts. That's what bus coworkers do. And they're throwing these bus donuts all over the bus and out the windows. I'm having the time of my life. Sir, I got to serve God. Isn't that an amazing thing? And, I, and today, the thing that now we're still serving him, 40-something years later. And, and, I, and I'm not saying this. I'm just saying that I think we ought to look at serving in a good way, not a negative way. It's, it's fun serving the Lord. It's good for us. And we've had times when we were working full time. We had we've had times when neither one of us had a job. When the only money we could ever have was when I'd go out and cut a load of firewood and burn that firewood to buy some groceries. God knows that's true. But I tell you, we serve God through every bit of it. When we had little kids, we served God. When we didn't have a job, we served God. We all, I tell you, serving God is what Christians ought to do. It's amazing that God would let us serve Him. That He would allow us to serve Him. In whatever capacity that is. Look in Matthew chapter 20. In verse 28. Or in verse 20, excuse me. Matthew 20, 20. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children. This is such a great story. The mother of Zebedee's children. Now, these were not little boys. These are grown men. James and John, the sons of Zebedee. These are fishermen. These are grown men. And their mama, their mama goes to Jesus. Man, I'd be shrinking back. Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him. 
and desiring a certain thing of him. I want something from Jesus. He said unto her, what wilt thou? What do you want? And she saith unto him, grant that these my two boys, my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand, the other on thy left in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you know what? You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I drink of and to be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with? They said unto him, we're able. Of course, that's implying about the way he would live and the way he would die. And she says, they're able. And sure enough, they were. He saith unto them, you shall indeed drink of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared for my father. And when the ten heard it. So these two, this mother's got these two boys trying to bargain Trying to make a deal, the art of the deal, a place for them to serve. And when the ten others heard it, the other disciples heard it, they were moved with indignation. That means they were mad against the two brethren. But Jesus called them unto him and said, you know, not, you know that the princes of the Gentiles out in the world, in the system of the world, the leaders, the bosses, the supervisors, the princes exercise dominion over them. And they that are great exercise authority over them. They tell people what to do. But it shall not be so among you. But whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister or servant. And whosoever be chief among you, let him be your servant. And in case you don't think I know what I'm talking about, he says, verse 28, even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. He said that's why the Son of Man came to serve. He didn't come to boss people around. He didn't come to try to get out of work. He came to be a servant. And he says if the Son of Man came to serve, you ought to serve. As disciples, we ought to be following the example of Jesus. I hear people say, well, we're just followers of Jesus. Followers of Jesus mean we're imitators of Jesus. That means we're doing what Jesus did. And Jesus was a servant. Through and through, Jesus was a servant. We're to serve the Lord and serve others. Go to Philippians chapter 2, if you would please. We've been called to serve. There, I know there are people sometimes think, and I know this is a real thought process. They really think, you know, I just don't think God could use me. Why would God want to use me? And you know what? I understand all of that, but I'm telling you, I've got good news for you. God, you know, God is, is an equal opportunity employer. All of us can serve. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 3, let, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory. Philippians 2, 3. But in lowliness of mind... Let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you. Think like this. Let this mind be in you. You know, I, th I think when the Bible says, let this mind be in you, it's because that mind isn't naturally in me. We have to let this mind, learn to think like this. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Jesus Christ. This is the way he looked at life. Who being in the form of God, he was equal with God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. 
And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you. I don't think some people want to think like this. They don't want to let this mind be in them. That I'm going to be a servant of God and a servant of others. I don't want to see myself as a servant, but Jesus was a servant. It requires a humility of mind. That's why he says that in verse 3, lowliness of mind. It means putting other people first. You know, our church, and I say this in all sincerity, our church has been blessed with numbers of genuine servants. Genuine servants of God. And I don't mean just because of what they do. A servant is not just seen in what we do, but it's seen in the manner in which we do it. We do it because we want to. We do it not for recognition. We do it for the Lord. It's a choice that's made. Look at verse 7. It says about Jesus, He took upon Him the form of a servant. He made that choice. And anybody in this room, any young person in this room, could make that choice. I want to be a servant. I want to be a servant of Jesus Christ. I want to serve Him by serving others. That's what I want to be. I, I taught a lesson uh, from these passages to the teenagers some years ago. But the title of the message is, What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Jesus said, I'm going to be a servant. Now you may be an engineer, you may be a carpenter, you may be a factory worker, whatever you may be, whatever God has you to do vocationally, you can still be a servant of Jesus Christ. We'd all be servants of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our example. No greater example of Jesus than when He surprised the daylights out of those disciples just before He went to Gethsemane. Sweat as it were, great drops of blood. Just before He was brutally beaten and mocked and ridiculed and eventually crucified just before that. He took it a bucket of water and he started washing those disciples' feet. Man, blew them away. Blew Peter away. He says, you can't, Lord, I can't, I mean, I'll go a long ways, but I can't let you do that. You know what? That's the way Jesus is. That's, if you're going to be like Jesus, that's the way Jesus is. He's a servant. And he didn't say, I'm doing something that you should never do. No, he said, this is an example. I'm doing this as an example. You ought to follow my example and become a servant. A servant of God, a servant of others. And I think when it's talking about that in Galatians chapter 5, and I've, I've gotten away from that, but I'm going to go back to it. In Galatians chapter 5, when Paul says uh, in verse 13, you've been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. But by love serve one another. The more, we, the more we really appreciate the freedom we have in Christ, the more we're going to love Him. And the more we're going to love Him, the more we're going to serve Him. 
We, we serve Him because we love Him. We don't serve Him because we have to. We don't just serve Him because it's going to make us any more saved or keep us saved. We serve Him because we love Him. Because He did it all. He paid the entire price. He paid for all of our sins. He took our sins upon Himself. He went through all that we ought to go through and gives us a free gift of everlasting life. And we love Him so much that we just want to serve Him. And really, a resistance, a resistance to serving Him is a reflection of whether we really love Him. That's what He says. Don't use your liberty as an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in this one word, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Go with me, if you would, please, to the book of Exodus. Exodus Chapter 21. Boy, I love this. Exodus chapter 21. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. Exodus 21.1. If thou buy, if you purchase an Hebrew servant, and you could buy servants in those days, and often it was because of debt. People were in bondage. They were in debt. The only way they could pay their debt, they couldn't go, they couldn't go put it on a credit card. They couldn't go borrow money. They would have to sell their services. They would have to become a slave, a servant. If you buy a Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve. And the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. So if you buy this servant... He works for you for six years. In the seventh year, you have to let him go. Free. No strings attached. Verse 3, if he came in by himself, he was single, he came in unmarried, no children. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife... And she have borne him sons or daughters. The wife and her children shall be her masters. And he shall go out by himself. So you see the rules? Very simple. Reasonable, really. They're not unreasonable. You go work for somebody. You've got to be a servant. You, go, you owe them a debt. You've got to pay a debt. You're trying to get your freedom. You're trying to get, get ahead, whatever. Work for six years. Seventh year, you get to go away free. If you go in as a single man, you get to leave single be on your way. If you brought in a wife, you're already married, then you and your wife get to go out together. But if you came in as a single man and the master gave you a wife and you have sons and daughters, you're free to go, but you can't take your wife and kids with you. Right? If you're trying to figure out a way to get rid of your kids, here's a way. You could... <laughs> but here's the part I like. Verse 5. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife and my children, I love my master, I love my family, I will not go out free. I don't want to leave. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. This is an official decision. He shall also bring him to the door or into the doorpost. 
And his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. When I, when I read that, you know, this is not, has not, it's not about salvation. It's about a master and his servants. But I, but I, certain, you, I, I think you can see the application. It's obvious to me. He said, I don't want to leave. I, I love you. I love my master. And I want to serve you the rest of my life. That's the way disciples ought to be. A follower of Jesus. We're not interested. He says, no, you're free to go. Jesus never says that to me. You're free to go. But he said, I'm not going anywhere. I want to serve you. You've been good to me. I want to tell you, God's been good to us. God's been good to us. That he would let us serve him. And I'm telling you, and I, I, I hope, I pray that I'm not misstating this. I hope I'm not taking it too far. But I'm just telling you, whoever you are, if you're a child of God, if you're a child of God, God will let you serve him in some capacity. There may be some things you cannot do, but there's a lot of things you can do. I had an interesting conversation this week at one of our games with a pastor from another church in another city. And he was telling me about a retired preacher in his church. This is a younger pastor, a lot younger than me. Maybe half my age or so. But I asked him about this old, older preacher because I've known him. He's about my age. And I said, How he's, how's he doing? This is what he said. He said, he hangs around our church about 30 hours a week. Just doing whatever needs to be done. He's not, he's not on salary. He's not a preacher now. He's just, you know what? He just loves serving the Lord. Isn't that a wonderful life? What a wonderful life. Man. Sometimes pastors retire from pastoring, but that don't mean they retire from serving the Lord. Amen? We're in it for life. We're lifers. Not just me. I think as a 21-year-old boy, I signed up to be a lifer. Amen? And I'm looking around here and seeing the eyes of people that serve the Lord faithfully in different areas of the ministry. He set us free from our sin, not that we would not serve, but that we would serve Him. This is what Romans 6, 18 says. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. We, I'm not serving sin anymore. Ask my wife how good a news that is. We're not, we're not living in the same place spiritually. We're not serving sin. We're not in bondage to sin. We're not living in all that, all that stench of wickedness we lived in. We've been set free. We have a new master. But it doesn't mean I don't want to serve anymore. It means I don't have to serve sin. I want to serve Him. We've been called. All of us have been called. To be his servants. It's not natural. It's not natural for people to go around washing other people's feet. I'm not starting a new ordinance, but it's not, it's not natural, right? It's not. It's not natural for people to just go around serving people. Can I help you? Would you let me do this? That's not natural. But it's like Jesus. It's like Jesus. No, let me do that for you. No, I'll take care of that. That's, it's like Jesus. That's the way Jesus is. It's not natural to put people, other people first. 
But you know what all those things are? When, when we, by the grace of God, any of us, you or anybody else, when, all, when, we do, when we live like that, it's just evidence of the grace of God in our life. It's evidence that, that God's love dwells within us because we love Him and his, because of His great love for us, we want Him to love other people through us. And there are people that respond to that. My wife and I were driving along yesterday and I went by this house and I said, I'm going to go back and go in there. And it had a, it had a no trespassing sign on it. And so I asked her to go in first. <laughs> I'll tell you, it was a pretty long story. I was there a long time. But let me just give you the abbreviated version. He kind of had himself, his family, isolated because he doesn't trust people or doesn't want anybody to. He's just been burned a lot of times. And we just talked and talked, and, and I think he'll be here one day. But two things I just want to share with you about this matter of loving people. One thing he said was, he said, what you're doing is the right thing. Now, he's got, he's got these barriers around his house so nobody can get in. He said, what you're doing is the right thing. Just going around and trying to connect with people. But then he said this, don't make yourself a stranger. I'll never forget that. In other words, come back and see me again. What I'm saying is, I think people want to be loved. People need to be loved. People need somebody to care for them. And you and I, within ourselves, it's not in us. It's not in us to serve other people. It's not in us. You say, well, that's just not me. It's not me either. But it's Jesus. It's in Jesus. Jesus is that way. He, he denies himself. He, he goes after people. He puts his own. He, he's willing. He's willing to love people because that's the way he is. We've been called to serve. It's a way of life for a follower of Jesus. All of us. And this is another thing just to throw out that uh, to me accentuates that. Not only have you been called to serve, but you have been uniquely gifted to serve. God has put in you, if you're a child of God, God has put in every one of you the, the ability, the enablement, the giftedness to be a help and a blessing to other people. And what a shame that would be if we didn't use it to minister to other people. Wouldn't that be a shame? We don't... None of us deserve to serve him, but we've been called. I think you can make a strong argument from the Bible for that. We've been called to serve him. And there's no, there's no um, shortage of need as far as people that are willing to serve the Lord. And I would, I would just challenge you tonight. Many people in this room are serving in many ways just know that it's a good thing it's a good thing to serve the Lord but if for some reason you've thought well maybe since we're just free in Christ that we're under no obligation to serve him if that's what you believe you believe something that's not true the more you understand your freedom in Christ the more you ought to love him and the more we love him the more we ought to serve him amen